welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell and I'm a nutritional therapist, breathwork coach and auricular acupuncturist. And this is my podcast series all about health, functional medicine, sustainability, finding connection, diet and so much more. I'm beyond excited to introduce you to the wonderful Annie Clark of Mind Body Bowl. Annie is one of the most intelligent, articulate and compassionate and just downright kind souls I've had the pleasure to interview for my podcast and in light of the current coronavirus situation, I hope you will find this episode on connection incredibly poignant. Annie and I recorded this at a time where we could frivolously condemn the fake quote unquote, connection via social media in favor of true, meaningful, physical connection with our community. Well, I think one thing that this current social distancing situation is showing us is that actually we all have, thank goodness, at our fingertips an incredible resource through which we can find some comfort and connection during this difficult time. This is one of those episodes that just gets better and better as it goes on, and I really hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed chatting to Annie. As a final note, I've made available via my website a £5 ebook on immunity. It contains my four main recommendations for supporting our bodies right now and delves some way into the science behind how the immune system works. There's no supplements, food recommendations, although there are a few recipes at the back, or expensive potions for you to buy, just sound scientific evidence on supporting your body's first line of defense. Head to the link in my Instagram bio to grab your copy. I hope it helps you. So on with the episode. So nice to have you on the podcast. So the first question I ask all my guests is, what's the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I've noticed how I fall into various different patterns um, around the things that I do to support myself. I've been trying to um, shift it a little bit and uh, kind of wiggle things around. I'd fallen out of the habit of journaling. So thinking of health as like a, you know, holistic um, way. I'd fallen out of journaling, which is a practice which I found really supported me um, in the past in just kind of having a clear state of mind. And and so this week I have got back on the journaling train and starting my day by writing a page or two a day. Mm. Um, And so, yeah. I guess this morning, I mean, I've gone a whole day. I'd like to think that (laughs) I've had some other things that have supported my health. But the last like real conscious thing that I did was sit down and and write my journal. And do you just write like what you're feeling in that? Because it's not, I mean, a few other people have actually said journaling on the podcast as as the last thing they did that positively impacted their health. And I've often thought I really should give that a go because I'm a great one for, you know, daily practices and rituals and things like that. But there's something about journaling. I just can't bring myself to do it. And I don't know why that is. Like, what do you, what do you write about? So I was like that for a really, really long time. And by that, I mean like 25 years. Mm. (laughs) I spent the first, yeah, 25 years of my life. Well, not when I was that young, but the first time I saw somebody probably on TV with a diary 
I always had this like dream in my head that all like the cool girls wrote yeah. diaries and put all their secrets in diaries and I never knew what to write. <laughs> See, I <laughs> so used I to try. when I was younger Did though. You? Yeah. And it was, yeah, I couldn't I was even always do it just then. about boys and, you know, heartbreak and I think I felt everything very keenly while mm. I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even then, I, I was really good at kind of talking about things, but I, the act of writing it down, I was terrible at spending time on my own. Like, I couldn't, until oh, okay. uh, until actually around, around the same time in my life, I was awful at spending any time on my own. And so the act of writing a diary or journaling was so foreign. And mm. I actually began to explore it through the lens of a gratitude journal. Um, so for about a year or two, somewhere in between I I wrote before uh bed every night just three things that I was grateful for and I had like a really beautiful <laughs> gratitude journal where it just had one two and three written for every single day yeah. um so it was very easy to create that ritual um and there was something kind of um it still had that appeal to it and it felt like a very conscious act um and it was much less scary than looking at a blank, a page. blank page yeah and after uh, you know that certain part of that time that gratitude became so ingrained in just the way that I was viewing my day-to-day -day life and I, I'd always been fairly optimistic but I think really embracing gratitude and looking through that lens was something that I'd then started to work mm. with um, much more um, you know, regularly. And that practice was really useful for that. And so the gratitude journal sort of dropped away. And, and then I was on various um, trainings as a yoga teacher and, and different things like that, where people would um, ask you to write something down. And usually they would give you a kind of um, a hint or a, an idea to work with. And again, that took the fear away. Yeah. Um, and so then I had a little bit more confidence, I guess, to sit down and look at that blank page. And I'm pretty sure the first time that I ever wrote in like a, you know, page one of the, and actually the thing that I've learned is I never write on the first page. Oh, okay. I always like, <laughs> skip one page because then if I just give up halfway, which I, I don't end up doing, but it feels like I'm less likely to ruin the journal on mm. page one. Um, so I always turn one page over and begin and the first thing that I wrote in my first journal was I really don't know what I'm supposed to write in here or something like that yeah. and the next thing I knew I'd written three pages and I've never read it back I never read them back um but I started off in I don't know what I'm doing here this feels really awkward and it kind of went on and and sometimes I I think that when I'm writing it I think mm. yeah, this is really like what am I doing mm. here you know it feels there's something kind of comical about it I find yeah, it yeah. quite amusing that I'm sort of sitting down but at the same time you know like you said the the ritualistic nature of it and the um the kind of beauty of that really designated space for yourself is um I find incredibly powerful mm. um and it's not always needed but I try to turn to things before they're needed and more as a kind of preventative supportive thing rather yeah. than in a time of desperation <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm really um, I'm really interested by the whole because part of what I feel with words like gratitude that we you were talking mm. about or journaling or um, self-love or you know any of these kind of buzzwords that we now have within the wellness industry I find for a time they're extremely authentic 
and then all of a sudden it's kind of becomes mass produced and certainly a word for me like gratitude now when I hear that word I don't engage with it mm-hmm. in the way in in which you know we're supposed to when we hear a word when we hear a word like that and like you were saying the actual practice of gratitude is incredibly powerful mm. and can transform your life but how do you think I mean is there a way you can kind of combat that or do you even agree that you know when something becomes kind of so done or you know so you see so many people do it, or people you're following or on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever it is you know everyone's doing a gratitude journal yeah. so I'll probably start but you know, maybe it wasn't an authentic path for you. I mean, do you agree with that firstly? And then I guess secondly, how do we change that trajectory? So I completely agree. And I think, you know, for all the wonderful things that the online spaces can do in support of us, whether that's through our well-being or, you know, whatever aspect of our lifestyles, um, there are many, many challenges. And I think authenticity is um, a key part of that mm. um, and one that is is challenged. And I always think of... Um, this two-way responsibility right in in terms of the way that we put things out and the way that we consume things so as somebody that shares online I have a responsibility to be authentic and conscious in what I put out um to kind of minimize the triggering and minimize the kind of rhetoric and the the loss of value in what it is that's being shared and then as a consumer so somebody that um that does occasionally scroll through social media or read things online for taking responsibility for what it is that I take in Mm. Because those buzzwords do start to lose their gravitas and um, the things that we talk about become, you know, a bit of an echo chamber, I find. Absolutely. And I think that it's something that I'm incredibly aware of. Also, even in, um, in the space of kind of a yoga studio, when I'm teaching, um, something that I'm really in- incredibly um, conscious of or trying to to explore more is our relationship with language and and actually really relevant this week so a class that I was teaching this morning we were talking about um non-violence ahimsa which is one of the yamas in in yoga philosophy um and I was thinking about the word violence now the, the word violence to to me sounds like you know seeing somebody punch someone else in the face or watching a war film or something it's a very physical act of violence mm-hmm. and yet really that's just the way that we view a word or I certainly view that particular word and so there's a consideration of the relationship that we have with our language and the overuse of language means that we start to lose, can start to lose that connection to it. Or like mm. you said, it can start to, to feel um, less authentic. Yeah. And I don't think there's necessarily a solution. I think as long as we are all spending as much time as we are in a very open, connected world online, there will be this, you know, people will see something that somebody else is doing and and take that and use it. But mm. really the responsibility lies in each of us to pick the bits that resonate and just let go of the rest I really really believe that all of us need different things that you know 10 years ago I was just stepping foot on a yoga mat and before that I would have there's no you know I probably would never have 
dreamt of it. Yeah. And now it's a no-brainer. And so when someone says, oh, yoga's not for me, that it's giving them the space to find what they need in that time Mm. rather than forcing my ideals or your idea, you know, Mm. each of us have the things that work for us and we're all individuals. So, you know, that's, that's great. We don't all have to do all of the same things. Mm. And so, yeah, tuning into that kind of authenticity, which again is a word that gets banded around a lot, but really getting connected to what that means to you or to each of us. And then just always checking back in with that. Yeah. I think it's the only, you know, it's the only way to weave our way through this Mm. quite complicated, um, current digital world. Mm. I think if you like, like you obviously can kind of look at all of this from a bird's eye view or you know be quite objective then it is it is possible to kind of think you know is that serving me is that something that I want to take into my life but I think when you know when you hear the negative aspects of say social media in the press it's it's the people that can't be objective for one reason or another Mm, for sure And I think then it's really very dangerous because especially in, so for example, in my um, sphere as a nutritional therapist, um, a lot of patients that come and see me are, you know, following diets that they've seen people on social media eating. And that might be really healthy for that person, but actually like it's, it's clearly not working for this person, but they haven't been able to be objective enough to say, I'm actually going to stand up for myself and, you know, eat a piece of meat because I know that's actually going to feed my body even though the world's telling me I need to be vegan or, or something like that it's um I, I it worries me actually yeah it's it's a, a it's been a growing issue for for a few years mm. now really and perhaps even longer and a few years ago I published a book and the whole premise of the book was actually exactly that because I had come to change my basically my whole lifestyle my diet the way that I lived my life based on various health issues and I spent so long trying to find ways to kind of heal myself Mm. by looking at what other people were doing Mm. and trying it and then it would be so incredibly frustrating that it didn't work work. or it worked for a little bit but then led to sort of another issue somewhere else and I really had to take that step back I was almost forced to and go hang on a sec what I'm trying to do is copy and paste Mm. what so-and-so has done because they look like they're managing really well and they look really great um and I'm sure she doesn't have the digestive issues that I have and you know all these things and um it just didn't work so I was forced to start to find a more individual approach to my well-being and Mm. gosh that definitely doesn't mean that I always get it right and and I think the biggest challenge now is that what we need changes so much and you know the different seasons and um the things that we need at different stages in our lives it continues to evolve Mm. and so it is a commitment to continuously adapting and tuning in and listening. And and for me, that's why practices like yoga and 
you know, let's meditation and mindfulness and journaling and all these things are actually really powerful because they become your toolbox yeah, yeah. of ways to kind of tune in and yeah. and um, observe all of that and and figure your way through mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really challenging and and not everyone I had the luxury of being in a job where I was exposed to lots of different things and could start to pick and choose what worked for me and Mm. um or in a time in my life where I was living at home so I didn't have to um to worry too much about flat sharing and how my lifestyle fit in with everybody else and you know we we're all working through things at different times in our lives and without access to reliable trustworthy information or Mm not knowing where to get that from yeah really really challenging yeah yeah no I I just had a flashback I remember um getting into university and then getting the letter through um the the post about you know accommodation and stuff and I was just so nervous about not having my own bathroom because at this stage I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me but I was suffering with like really really chronic gut imbalances um I just thought I had like a gas problem or like you know just bloating or like upset tummy all the time um and I made up some falsehood about um you know like an like some fake illness so that they gave me an ensuite bedroom because I was just petrified and I think you know fear is a really interesting part of the conversation because we're scared to get it wrong we so many of us are scared of various elements of our bodies and Mm. I that totally resonates with me and I was you know I I was also struggling with various sort of gut imbalances when I was at university they Mm. just I hadn't quite realized it yeah yeah same um and and you're in environments where it's not as simple as just being able to pick and choose. And I was so overwhelmed by what the options were. Yeah. And my doctor was completely useless, which not all doctors are at all. They're, you know, been given some incredible advice and, and healthcare by all different kinds of professionals. But at the time it was just, I was really stuck. Mm. Um, and somehow I found, um, my way through all of that wealth of information started, you know, had the confidence to just step into it. But I think I got to breaking point where I was like, enough is enough. I can't yeah. cope anymore. Yeah. So it was my only choice. Yeah. And actually for people, when things are just niggling and you don't hit that point, which hopefully most people yeah. won't. But you just kind of continue. Yeah, because you carry on. Feeling a bit mediocre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. And I didn't realise how well a body could feel. I'd never oh my gosh me too (laughs) and then after it was really once I got the cracked it it was such a short space of time and I was like oh my gosh I was only eight weeks away from feeling like this I didn't even know this existed oh wow um and it was a much longer process sort of to to cement that but really you know there's so much we can do to support ourselves physically mentally um yeah I think it it kind of comes back to this culture of quick fixes yes because actually feeling good on a daily basis is 
um, a process, like you were saying. And, you know, if you have something wrong with you these days, like we all just want a tablet to fix the problem. Yeah. Um, whether that's like anxiety, depression, mental health, or whether it's gut imbalances, you know, chronic skin inflammation and, you know, low libido or mood or something. And we've just bred this culture of, you know, let's just put a plaster on it or let's just like take this tablet and or have that operation. And nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, it, it doesn't work that way. And actually the body is so, I think your, your body will always bring you back to yourself and it will always make you do what's right in the long term. And generally that's like slowing down, turning more inwards, you know, listening, tuning in. And actually just like being a little bit kinder to yourself. Yeah. But I wonder why we have got into this stage where, you know, we do want everything instantly and, you know, we consume everything I so quickly, don't we? I think it's consumption everywhere though. And it's, you know, I notice it in myself and I'm trying to be um, much more considered in it. But, you know, even I, this morning, actually, I was waiting for the overground and I looked up and it said 10 minutes till the next train. And I was on the phone to my sister at the time. Uh, and I said to her, oh my God, I've got 10 minutes till the next train. And then I sort of heard myself and was like, get over it. <laughs> like what? But because we're used to everything, like, yeah. you can order something and it arrives on the very same day. Mm. Like that blows my mind. And no wonder we're struggling with patience around other elements of our life because everything else is so instantaneous and it's incredible the things that the technology that we have access to and um so much of our world is really quite amazing but the pace at which technology is moving is so much faster than the human yeah. evolution. Totally. And so I I feel, and this is based on basically zero science, but just <laughs> how I feel about it is like, we're in this real funk as human beings being like, wait, what? Yeah. How are we meant to keep up with this? Because yeah. everything around us is moving so quickly, but our evolution is comparatively so slow and we haven't... Um, evolved and adapted at a pace that's fast enough of course because we're building things faster than we we can keep up yeah yeah how do you remain authentic in the you know the world that you work in and which is dominated by people following people and like we were saying um consuming content really really quickly kind of almost becoming sometimes like clones of each other mm. what's your method of kind of cutting through that and making sure that you not only let's say like because I know you you will only work with a brand that you really resonate with or you know the message that you're putting out was always really important how do you stay true to that I think from I think a really simple way of looking at it for me is that I never set out with any intention of having a digital or even in-person influence over anybody, Mm. even kind of, it was even hard to tap into on, you know, a personal level. And I think that has shifted now because in the time since, um, you know, influencers and and people following other people has really um, kind of, catapulted um there is an opportunity now for people to 
make an entire career, however long or short short term that may be, out of, um, you know, a sort of online celebrity status. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't ever in my pathway. So there was never any intention other than to kind of share and talk to people that were interested in the same thing because at the time back then the world felt so small and when I was making or so much smaller and you know wellness hadn't really landed in London for for most people and um it was such a brilliant way to connect to people that didn't think I was weird or you know had (laughs) had similar sort of things going on and and that weren't necessarily in my immediate friendship group or my family who were bored of me telling them that I could I don't know make banana bread without flour or I don't know whatever it was you know the the there was there wasn't the same plan as I think there is now when you start some sort of social presence because I think now people come into it with an intention of like well here's my what my opportunity is that's what I'm going to go and seek Mm. and that's not everybody at all but it just wasn't on my on my radar Mm. for a really really long time and um and actually that really stung and I had to check in because in sort of the early days of having an online presence my following grew really 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 quickly Mm. and then it stagnated almost sort of stopped um because suddenly there was all these algorithms and all these plans and and now it's it's something that I tune in with and notice if I sort of get triggered or if someone you know I've had brands that have said well your your following isn't growing or your engagement's not high enough and that kind of thing and you have to check in or I have to check in Mm. go what am I here for yeah and does this actually matter in the grand scheme exactly and if I'm not here to boost my engagement so that I can work with more brands. I'm here because there is something keeping me here that's much, much greater than that. Yeah. And and I have my, you know, my practice and, and what I love to learn and what I love to share is through, it's, you know, it's like a modern philosophy through the, you know, the pathway or the tool of, of yoga. And I think that helps me come back and if I notice that voice being like, oh, well, you know, is there a way that you could do that better? Mm. It's like, but why? Mm. What are you What are you here for? And for me, the I'm incredibly lucky and grateful to some of the opportunities that I've had through that digital mm. um, space. It's really supported me in being able to set up my online studio. I mm. wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't take a few brand partnerships. Yeah. But I still chose the ones that felt Right, you know, as soon as it strays from that path, there's no, there's nothing in it for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm definitely not in it for like a quick, quick cash flow injection. You know, yeah. that doesn't seem that's never been my interest. And mm. I'm not, I'm not glamorous, and I get to do some things that are much more glamorous than I am. But most of it isn't glamorous, and mm. I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not there for the, um, for those bits exclusively. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, I think it's intention. I think that's. What I think I'm it's, intention. To. it's intention, and it's also as you were talking, I was just thinking. You know, there's definitely a kind of golden age of influencers, which I don't think we'll ever see again. But there are people within the space, yourself included, who are just 
be just existing and being and as a you know indirect consequence of that really impacting people's lives positively and I think like you said I think for anyone now to kind of come and try and do the same thing would always just be slightly contrived because at the back of your head these days it is oh I could make money off this Mm. or I could make a living off this but and equally there's some incredibly wonderful authentic people that are now almost forced to come into the online space to share their work because it's mm. become such a brilliant yeah, marketing tool. Yeah, it's like, well, tool. why aren't you doing this? If Yeah, yeah, and that's really challenging because actually these, in, you know, innately authentic, brilliant people who have got so much to share, how do they step into that space mm. empowered in their authenticity without being criticised for just being like somebody else or um, for copying somebody or you know or or being inauthentic to their work it's Mm -hmm. it's really challenging and I think we it just comes back to having ways to tune in and hold yourself accountable and really understand what you're what you're there for and hey do you know what if you are looking for something exciting and fast-paced and fun and free and the world of you know instagram gives you that for whatever time in your life then why not it doesn't it might not be for me but Mm. it might be for someone else and actually again just checking in yeah it's the personal journey yeah i it's not for me to judge someone for that at all Mm. and so i really try not to and um and just kind of stay Stay in your own... Stay in your lane. Lane, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you've just started a podcast, or not just started, but... Um, yeah. You and Will have got behind... Now. Yeah, behind the microphones and done your first series. Yeah. And the podcast is all about asking questions that need to be asked or maybe don't get asked. Yeah. Um, and the discussion is really... Uh, what's the right word? Not polemical, but... It's current and it's important. The content is really important. But I wanted to ask you, what's the most important question that we can ask of each other? Like, what's the most important question you can ask someone? That's such a good question. So the, and and that's exact, I mean we come to this all the time and you know what we've asked people a very similar question loads of time and everyone's like uh <laughs> now I mean, you're asking me <laughs> yeah because I was thinking you know, I, you know I wonder if it's just something as simple as how are you yeah so our whole premise as can we just ask started with that question how mm. are you and the idea was that there was a realization that a lot of people are going through struggles and yet we're not very good at sharing and we're not very good at listening. Mm. And when we ask someone how we are, how they are, you're not really asking them how they are. It's a, it's a turn of phrase. And, um, we originally planned for can we just ask to be more of a a documentary or photo documentary platform which was all around that question like are you in fact it was are you okay Mm. that was the that was kind of where it started and then as it evolved we realized that actually asking questions and intentional listening were 
two kind of skills that often get brushed aside especially in a fast-paced world where we're we're looking for quick answers and quick stories and from a journalistic perspective everything's like right what's the next hottest story what's going to get the most clicks and we wanted to kind of scale it back and say well what is important and and again like what's important to you might not be the same thing that's important to me but by listening to what is important to you I start to get a better understanding of um of the nature of people and of conversation mm, and so it's a kind of self-reflective yeah question and, yeah and so the and and holding space for people to just be without having to uphold the kind of ideals or the um the roles that they feel like they're stepping into in their day-to-day life and so can we just ask evolved into this um format where we take a question around a topic and and we bring different people in to discuss um the the question so that we're not creating this echo chamber where we're Mm. just hearing what our friends are hearing and saying Mm. and we actually start to broaden our understanding of a topic um or a question or an issue and it doesn't matter if it's not important to me because if it's important to somebody else it's an important question and I guess, gosh, there's, do you know what? It's such a hard question because you've really stumped me. (laughs) There's, there's actually so many. And, um, when I am kind of in a space, you know, when I'm holding space for people in, in a yoga class and, um, or in a women's circle, it's, I guess, questions like, to ask yourselves a sort of self-reflective question is like, what do I need here? Or how can I be more compassionate here? Mm. Um, am I listening? And I guess you can flip that round and be, you know, how can I support you? What Mm. do you need? Um, what's important to you? Like those are the questions that I think open up the opportunity to, really hear each other and listen to each other and yeah we all have different things going on but creating a space a boundaried space it's not to say that you'll give all of your time to listening to everyone else because that um that energy from your heart will Mm. over time deplete for most of us you know we have to make sure that we we have our boundaries something that a lot of people have, including myself, continuous work around to work mm. out kind of how to best support others whilst um, keeping that um, that energy within ourselves a, a, a balanced place, in a balanced place. But the, I think for me, I'm always, I'm a feeling person. And so giving people a space to share and feel yeah. listened to and heard, you know, what is it that you need? How mm. How can I how can I support you? Yeah. Yeah. To me, those are the big questions. Yeah. And to kind of draw everything together that we've been talking about, I was just thinking then that, you know, you and I were talking kind of before we came on air about, um, different phases within relationships and supporting your partner, um, through tough times, um, something that we've both been through on kind of different sides of that spectrum. But, you know, I really wonder whether, because, Nick has said to me in the past that I, and this is when I was kind of quite poorly, 
that he said something really profound that stuck with me, which was that you're not a selfish person, but you are self-obsessed. And I think, I don't know whether it's because when you're not well, and like we were saying, you know, it is really important to go inwards and figure out what you need, that it is just really hard to, I certainly found it really hard to give anything back in my relationship because I was so obsessed with healing myself. But I also wonder whether, because we've been talking a lot about the kind of digital space, that, you know, when you've got your head in your phone like that, you have your own little world. And, like, you really don't need, like, the people that are physically around you to feel connection. Obviously, there are different forms of connection, but we do get a form of connection from our, from our devices. And I just wonder whether you know, it's kind of all connected somehow and kind of linked together. And I just wonder what would happen if we, I don't know, if, if mobile phones disappeared tomorrow, mm. would we all be so much happier? And, you know, by the same extension, if we all had to go through, you know, or, you know, surmount really hard challenges within our relationships, would we all be better off for it or or worse I don't know it's, it's just a really interesting the first I mean the first thing that was really beautiful what you shared um uh that Nick said to you because in I think that sort of vulnerability and openness is also so um wonderful and again creates this opportunity for self-reflection but also then to support one another more fully in relationships and I think um we actually did a, a can we just ask um episode in fact it was before the podcast so it was a live <laughs> it was a live one um uh which hasn't been recorded um but it was are we addicted to our phones mm. and there were so many I wish it had been recorded because there were so many um interesting little nuggets of information and science that support mm. that questioning around what life might be like with mm. and without our phones and, and I, also what might fill that void yes and and the, the way that it's shifting the way that we spend our leisure time and and things like that so it's super interesting and I definitely think that life for for me in various different relationships of mine you know uh not just with will but with with other friends and family things could look really different in mm. in many of them and on the flip side two of my best friends my two best friends live in singapore and without my phone without that open communication channel mm. it would be really really hard to maintain that relationship mm. with them and I'm so grateful that I have access to that and and then I think it kind of comes down to this concept of boundaries again and we're all still figuring it out but yeah. I'm sure that you're right you know the type of connection that we get through technology is incredibly different to that human mm. um in real life personal mm. connection yeah because like um, you're saying it's it's evolution isn't it you know we have evolved with other humans and lived in small communities for centuries and centuries and centuries yeah and you know the scientific studies show that 
I was reading um, Bill Bryson's book this morning, you know, the, his new one called The Body. Yes. My new thing in the morning is that I read. I've got that on audiobook and it's, it's fascinating. It's, really, it's good. really good. And there was um, just a bit at the end where he was talking about one particular medical study in which, you know, um, people just didn't develop a certain disease or whatever it was because they were happier than and they had yeah. more human connection than those that that did. And it's just startlingly obvious that what we all really need is that human mm. connection and that actually what we get from the majority of the connections that we make on a daily basis is just a, a hit of dopamine yeah. and a you know really yeah. instant gratification. And I think that's what I was going to say is that we actually, we do get some sense of connection through the phone, but then I've definitely observed it in myself that you sort of put the phone away and I get a real sense of emptiness because mm. I realized that wasn't real mm. and I'm so grateful for the community and the things that have come through technology and the relationships that I'm able to um to have in my personal life as well assisted by that but really when I spend you know more than a few minutes on on social media or on my emails I put it away and I really feel this kind of drain yeah and so finding a way to um to work more um you know to use it as a positive tool and not seek the not seek the connection there instead mm. of anywhere else yeah, um yeah. is you know it takes more effort to arrange to meet your friends mm. than it does to just have a quick chat on the phone or send yeah. them a message or an emoji yeah. um but but i it's it's worth it if you have the if you have the choice and i think we just need to be a little bit aware of of the difference in what that connection can look like for mm. each of us and and relationships as well you know i always think um i heard someone like will smith at some point talk in fact i think i saw this on facebook as a video so <laughs> but he said something about his relationship with his wife being you know two people and i think russell brand said something similar around relationships being two people choosing to share their lives but showing up to that space as the best version of themselves and um you know and it means we're the relationships around us, whatever kind of relationships are incredibly um, important when we go through difficult times, mm. but often we can lean into those without kind of celebrating the really beautiful times and, and treasuring the moments and like putting our phone on airplane mode and leaving it there for a whole day because mm. our friends or our family are around and just having confidence in that disconnection in order to connect on like a human level. Mm. Um, and, you know, a situation for me recently was that my sister and I hadn't seen each other for a long time and we were finding it really hard to find time that we both saw each other. And because we were looking to spend like a massive chunk of time to make up for not yeah, seeing yeah, each yeah. other. Like, let's go on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course it's hard to fit that in. Um you know, at the drop of a hat. But actually what we really needed was a shorter amount of time that was just really present. Yeah. And we went for a dog walk and put our phone, left our phones at home and just went for a walk for an hour. And that was exactly what we needed. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really special. And it's crazy that that felt so special because Mm. usually one of us, probably me, would have a reason or or to feel like I needed to check something on my phone Mm. at some point in that time. Mm. And I think that's the, the challenge is how we can separate that kind of online connection and the offline connection and celebrate them both in their own ways but but let there be separation so that we can really um be present in either one Mm, yeah amazing well it's got very dark in here and I haven't looked at any of the questions I was going (laughs) to ask you (laughs) but I feel like we've had a nice to read them anyway no it's it's a mood lighting yeah But I feel like we've had a good old chin wag anyway. We have. It's been lovely. Um, I have to ask you the last three questions I ask all my podcast guests. Um, the first is, what's one thing in life you would do again if you could? So I try very hard not to um, live by any sense of regret. I think it's um, it's really lovely to reflect. But I really believe that every experience that we've had leads us to today and whether or not that's true I find that a very soothing way of of mm. being of, mm. um a nice thing to just trust in um yeah, comforting. very comforting um but I think you know it's again probably a bit of a cliche but if I would would backtrack a little while probably to when I was um shifting a lot about my lifestyle just to trust in that and to trust that everything was going to figure it out and not to be not to have been um so nervous about kind of stepping into my truth because I got there and I and I did do that but it was with a trepidation of um you know is this the right thing for me yeah um and now I know that it's worked out it's very easy to go back Mm. and say that Mm. but yeah I think just to really trust the way that things are going and the, I think another lovely thing to consider is that the universe will only throw things at you that you're ready to, um, to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's again, another comforting way to, to navigate our way Mm. through things. Now, I usually then ask people, what's one thing you would change if you could? But perhaps I'll reframe that. And, you know, some people usually talk about their lives or they might talk about something, um, you know, the world at large. And maybe, as you've said, quite rightly so, that you like to see all experiences as leading you to where you are now. Is there anything in the world at large that you would change, you know, climate change or... Yeah, I something, think you know something. Like I mean, that. I mean that there is lots mm. in Annie's dream world, <laughs> which largely revolve around climate change and human suffering. Yeah. Um, I I went to the cinema uh, last week and saw um, a war film, 1917, 1912, Nin- 1912. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, um, I haven't the, seen it yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, it was amazing, but I found it incredibly challenging to watch, and I think a big challenge for me while watching it was a realization um this is gonna sound really depressing um but a realization that we can't put this down to history and say we've moved on because it's happening in the world and that made me that really really has stuck with me and and I wasn't naive to that before I obviously knew it but it was just this really potent reminder that like things like that are still going on right now and um 
yeah, that beings can be free from suffering, um, particularly when it's inflicted as violence from yeah. from one person to another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and finally, the podcast is called State of Mind. Yes. What does State of Mind mean to you? Do you know what the first thing that came into my head when I when you said that was around clarity and having like a clear state of mind to allow us to navigate whatever things come come up and and the way that we can sort of support ourselves in doing that through our well-being and our curiosity and um just continuing to evolve ourselves individually um to um yeah to just get clear in our state of mind Mm. and be good people Mm, amazing thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much for having me it really has thank you Thank you so much again for tuning in to this episode of State of Mind. Next week is actually my final episode until I start recording the new series. So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe if you haven't already. Please, please leave me a rave review on the Apple Podcasts app because that really helps. Um, And I will see you next week at the same time for a very special episode, which I recorded all the way in Australia. Until then, bye bye.